day, everyone. My name's Dan, and uh, let me add my welcome to you. If, if you are new, you've joined us in our final week in the summer series, and um, we're considering the fact that Christianity really is good news, and the best news that you may have never heard before. And tonight we're considering this topic, this claim, that you can have hope no matter what. Which is a great topic, because it puts before us what Christianity is and why it really is good news, why it's the best news that there is to hear. See, what is the news of Christianity? Fundamentally, Christianity is a message about hope. It's a message that for 2,000 years now has preached this message to our world, you can have hope no matter what. Now, you hear that line kind of just said like that, and I don't know what your reaction is, um, but I think you just hear it for the first time, and um, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that positive and uplifting and, um, and optimistic, and it's great, we all need hope for our lives, sounds really good, sounds like it's going to be a great G-up talk, let's go. Um, but when you slow down and you actually consider the magnitude of, of what that claim is... I don't know about you, but there are other words that come to mind for me. You can have hope no matter what. What's the other word that comes to mind for me? Unrealistic. Naive. Simplistic. See, let me slow down and give, say it again, give it to you again, and I want you to, to think on those last three words. You can have hope no matter what. No matter what? Really? What initially at a first glance sounds really lovely and optimistic and inspiring and uh, when you slow down and you think about it, it kind of sounds far-fetched, doesn't it? Out of touch with reality? Or it at least begs the question of... um, well, it begs further unpacking, and how could that possibly be the case? So you can have hope no matter what, really? But we don't know the future. Hope's about the future, thinking positively about it, but we don't know what's coming in the future. What if our future is filled with terrible suffering? We don't know that that's not going to be the case. That's not something to look forward to. (laughs) That's not something I should hope for. And so to say that we can have hope no matter what, it just sounds like naive optimism, unfounded. More, most things in life are out of our control. So to say that you can have hope no matter what, well, um, the things that I might hope for in this life, I don't have the power to ensure that those things will come to pass. You know, um, my hopes for this life are I'd have this kind of life, that I'd have this kind of family, these kinds of relationships, that I'd have this kind of work, that I'd enjoy these kinds of experiences. But my ability to pull those things off is severely limited. So to say I can have hope for a, an optimi- a great future, really? It seems to be outside my control. I mean, I can hope for them, I can hope for them, but it's the kind of, gee, I I hope this works out. It's that kind of hope. It's not the, you can have hope no matter what. It's not that kind of hope. See, now that we slow down and we think about the claim, doesn't it sound naive, unrealistic? But here's the thing, 
the Bible makes this claim. Christianity makes this claim to our world. You can have hope no matter what. With Jesus, that with Jesus, there is indeed a hope you can have no matter what comes in life. Now, it needs unpacking. We're going to unpack it. But here's what the Bible claims. It claims that no matter how dark and difficult your days get, with Jesus you can have hope even through that. No matter the diagnosis, with Jesus there is hope. No matter how much you've sinned, no matter how guilty you are, no matter how much you've already stuffed up your life, with Jesus you can have hope. And I put it to you that it's neither naive nor unrealistic. And so tonight we're going to dig into that, we're going to investigate that claim and what I want to do is I want us to see what this hope is and what the foundation for this hope is, that we can be so confident and say this. Because can you imagine if it's true? Imagine if this claim is true, that you can have hope no matter what. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be the best news you've heard? That no matter how dark your life gets, there is light, that you can have hope, you can live with hope. Isn't that what we need? Wouldn't that be the best news? And this bit of the Bible that we're looking at tonight, 1 Peter, is a great place for us to be investigating it. 1 Peter is written to, this is a letter, written during the first century to a group of Christians who were suffering. And it's written by the Apostle Peter to stir them to persevere through this suffering based on the hope that they have in Jesus. It's written by Peter, this fisherman guy who was turned into a preacher, a man who was one of the closest eyewitnesses to Jesus and his ministry. He travelled around with him for three years. He saw Jesus die on a cross. He saw him risen from the dead. And shortly after all those events, Peter writes this letter to a group of suffering Christians, stirring them to hope and stirring them to live, enduring under suffering because of that hope. In verse 1, have a look at it there if you've got your Bible. Verse 1, he identifies this group who he's writing to as dispossessed people, exiles from their homes. Have a look at verse 1. To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. These are Christians who had been scattered throughout Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, And they now lived among among a pagan culture and under a pagan government who was hostile to Christians. And verse 6, there are people who now suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And over in chapter 4, they were experiencing a fiery ordeal. And Peter says, yeah, don't, don't um, don't be taken by surprise by that fact. And so much of this letter is Peter writing to them to give them instructions on how to bear up under such um, conditions. And yet, even into that context, Peter writes to them of hope. And so here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to dig into this little first bit of the passage and we're going to see what this hope is that Jesus offers us. We're going to see what it's based on and for about... 15 seconds at the end, I'm going to tell you how you can have it. So, what this hope is, what it's based on and how you can have it. So, what is the hope that Jesus, Christianity, offers us? It's the hope of the world to come. Have a look at verse 3 with me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth, 
into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Straight away, do you hear the tone of the letter? This is how he begins this letter to a group of suffering people. Praise be to God. It's the tone of hope and of joy. Now, why can he start this way to these suffering people? Because God has done something for this people, which means that they now do live with hope. They can live with hope. God had given this people something profound. Verse 3, what did He give them? In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. God had given this people, which He gives all Christians, new birth into a living hope. Now, all of us have been born, that was a prerequisite for you being here tonight and praise God, none of us remember that day. But we've all been born, but for Christians, there's a second birth that goes on, a spiritual birth, one where we're not just born into this world, we're born into, verse 3, a living hope, a hope of the world to come. Now, he further unpacks this hope, the thing we're hoping for, in verse 4, and he says, we're hoping for an inheritance that we can look forward to now, an inheritance which will never perish, spoil or fade. And the end of verse 4 there, this is inheritance that's secure, kept in heaven for you. And so we wait to receive it and it's secure and safe there. Now an inheritance, an inheritance is that thing that you, um, hopefully you don't spend too much time thinking about and longing for, but it's, it's, a, it's a future thing as we talk about it now. It's a future thing that um, we know will, something will be passed on to us from family Um, And Peter says that Christians have a different kind of inheritance, an inheritance that's a heavenly one. And it's an inheritance that's an entirely different order to earthly inheritance. Uh, The things that we receive in this world, this, what we get as Christians, is entirely different. It's secure, it's kept in heaven for us, and it's eternal. It'll never perish, spoil or fade. Now, um, both of my parents are still alive, but there's actually one part of my inheritance that my dad's already given me. It's a pocket watch. Uh, My dad's grandfather, it was his pocket watch. And so, my great-grandfather, he passed it on to his son, my grandfather, who passed it on to his son, my dad, who on my 21st birthday passed it on to me. Now, the problem is, this is not my great-grandfather's pocket watch. The original one rusted and faded and finally, my dad lost it. Now, it was supposed to be this, you know, cherished family heirloom that would be passed down from generation to generation, this, you know, treasured inheritance. Um, But the problem with the things of this world that we inherit, the problem with all the things of this world that it has to offer us is that they're not secure and they perish. Sometimes they even go missing. But God has promised us an eternal inheritance because the things of this world, they just don't last. And so, what we need for is something far greater than the things of this world can offer us. We need something secure. We need something that's not going to fade and rust and spoil. But the reality of our world that we inhabit is, it's all perishable. 
You know, one of the deep fears that people live with today, not hopes, but fears, is, is about the inheritance that we're leaving the next generation. Uh, we've become aware of the impact we're having on this world, and lots of people are now living with the fear that the thing we're going to leave to the next generation is a spoiled inheritance. And so many are now very conscious and very fearful of the mark that they leave on this planet about, and, and fearful of, of what it's going to turn into. It's all just going to, it seems to be crumbling and it's this sort of catastrophizing and, and deep anxiety and fear. You know, another, uh, it's, being, it's being used up and lots of this is genuine. You know, it's being used up. Another animal species dies out. Uh, another catastrophe due to climate change. Our world is perishing. We've become alert to this fact. And so there's guys like Elon Musk who are aiming to get us to Mars so that we've got another world, we've got a, a plan B. And there's movies like Interstellar about astronauts going out from you know, uh, the realms of our solar system to look for planets where there might be one that we could inhabit. And we've... But is that the best we've got? Do we just need a plan B? Is that the only hope we have? And on, you know, this, this planet, it's perishing... But on a more personal level, we're perishing too. You know, if we stop to think about our own lives, our own physical bodies even, um, what's the hope we have to look forward to as we grow old? All of our bodies spoil and fade and eventually perish entirely. Now, I'm not that much older than most of you. I'm 34. I already don't have hair. Um, my eyes don't work. Uh, I've got a receding... When I was a teenager, I brushed my teeth too hard, so I've got a receding gum over here. Do you know that once you've got receding gums, they're just gone? Like, bye-bye gum, see you later. Um, there's no redemption for my gum. But all of us, the thing that we genuinely have to look forward to, not um, optimistically, but we, what we are all looking ahead to is the the slow perishing of our bodies, um, a slow decline and then death. And that's if, you know, some random accident or tragedy doesn't get us before then. Now, I know it's hard to imagine in your 20s, but even your 30s will make it more real to you. But the Bible offers us a different future, a different inheritance, one that's secure, one that's kept in heaven for you, one that will never perish, spoil or fade. It's the hope of another world. Now, not another world like Elon Musk has a plan for us, not the hope of a different planet, a hope of this world made new, this world redeemed, rescued. J.I. Packer, the great theologian and pastor, he points out that the Bible has a two-world view of things, he says that there's two worlds. There's this world, which is perishable, which spoils, which fades, in which we grow old and we suffer and we die. And... But then there's the world to come. This world reborn. A world of everlasting, imperishable life, where Jesus will be together with His people for eternity. That's the hope that the Bible holds out for us in Christ. Now, before we move on to the basis for this hope, we still need to know why we can believe that this is legit and something to be, you know, put our faith in, not just wishful thinking. But before we get there, Peter describes what we're hoping for with another incredibly important word. He calls it the hope 
of salvation. Have a look there in verse 5 with me. Through faith we are being shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. The movement from this world to this world reborn is one of salvation, which begs the question, saved from what? And the answer is, saved from the thing that made our world perishable in the first place, sin. See, sin is the reason why our world is perishing and why it all comes to naught. Sin is the reason the world is the way it is. Sin, our refusal to let God be God in our lives, is the reason for the corruption of our world. See, the throwing off of God and His ways is the reason why we experience relationship breakdown. Because we don't love each other the way God has told us to. We've said, no God, I'll do what I want. And so we have relationship breakdown. Sin is the reason why there's greed in this world, because we're not content with the things God has given us. We say, no God, I want more. And so we're greedy. Sin is the reason there, there are wars, nation against nation, people against people, because we hate one another rather than keeping the second greatest commandment, love one another. Sin is ultimately the reason for death, for perishing itself as the just punishment for our rebellion. See, sin is the heart of the problem and a world that doesn't have sin removed from it, that's no hope at all. There's no point putting your hope in a world that still has sin. What we need is salvation from sin, the heart of the issue, and salvation from all of sin's consequences, saved out of the world of sin and saved into the world without it. And that's the hope that, the, that Jesus offers us. That's the hope that Jesus offers us when we put our faith in Him. Now, if that's true, isn't that good? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Isn't that exactly what we need? Isn't that exactly what we long for? A world without the thing that has broken our world and messed it all up. Now, sometimes our eyes are too... We, we're looking down here and we just want that thing in my life to, get, to be gone. But Jesus says, that's, that's just a symptom... There's a root cause, it's sin, it's the thing that's breaking everything. And so, what do we actually want? Don't we want a world without sin? I think that's what we all long for. Deep down, we all long for something more than this world can offer us. Don't you want something more than just 80 years? Don't you want something more than good health and big muscles for a little while, followed by many decades of flabby arms, sickness disease and ultimately death? Don't you want something more than the fleeting pleasures of, of this life and then have to chase after the next one to fill you up and then have to chase after the next one to fill you up and then have to chase... Don't you want something more than that? Jesus offers us something more. C.S. Lewis, an author from the last century, if you've read the Narnia books... He said this about that, those deep longings in our hearts. Now, I'm going to read a long quote for you, so settle in. But I think it'll be worth it. He says this, Most people 
if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want, and want acutely, something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise. The longings which arise in us when we first fall in love, or, think, or first think of some foreign country, or first take up some subject that excites us, are longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. And so the Christian says in response to this longing and this observation, the Christian says, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger, well there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim, well there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire, well there is, some, there is such a thing as sex. Now listen to this part. If I find in myself a desire which no experience of this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And what Jesus offers us is the hope of another world. That's the Christian hope. It's the only thing that will satisfy the longings of our hearts and not just leave us empty. That's what the Bible offers us. But what's the basis for this hope? It all, this all sounds great, sure, if that's true, fantastic. But is it true? Can we be confident in this? Is this something we can stake our lives on? Well, here's the basis for it. The basis for this hope is God and what He's done. It's God and what He's done. See, Peter writes this letter. He writes this letter to a group of suffering Christians. People experiencing persecution, living under a fiery ordeal, and Peter writes to them to stir them to praise God, to be a people full of hope for the future. Verse 3, I think we've got it back up on the screen. Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he starts the letter to this group of suffering people. So what makes him think that he can stir them to praise God, that even in their suffering they would go, yeah, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What could stir them to praise Him? Could they still be a people full of hope, despite their suffering? Was Peter just not very emotionally intelligent? Did he not read the room? No, Peter expected that these would still be a people of praise and joy and hope, based on what God had done for them in the past. They were a people of hope because of what, had, what God had done. And a quick survey of this little, this opening to the letter shows that Peter's, he keeps putting right before them, look at what God's done, look at what He's done for us. It's God's mercy towards us. God had given them new birth into a living hope. God was the one keeping their inheritance safe and secure for them. They were shielded, verse 5, by God's power. God was the one acting, acting, acting. Look at what God had done. But the main basis for their hope was something incredibly concrete. The basis for their future hope was the fact that in the past, God rose Jesus from the dead. Verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, Christian hope for the life to come, the world to come, is based on something concrete. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. 
which demonstrated to all the world there truly is life after death. God has taken Jesus through death as a, a, a preview, a foretaste and of the, of an inbreaking of the world to come into our world now. Another part of the Bible calls Jesus the firstborn among the dead and He's the first one because there are many others to come now. Because if, if God had done this for Jesus and then He says that He's going to do it for you too, you can know from the fact that He's done it before, He will do it again. This is the promise of Christianity, that whoever looks to Jesus, the living one, and by faith is connected to Him, that you too will receive life imperishable in the world to come. Now, this, is, this hope, this grand, incredible hope, it's not a fairy tale, it's not baseless. There were eyewitnesses to Jesus' death and resurrection, the basis for our hope. People saw Jesus die and the people who were there, no one disputed that this happened. Everybody knew He was dead, whether it was the Jews or the Romans or His disciples or everybody saw Him die, they saw Him buried. It was undisputed, it's a fact of history. Put to death on a Roman cross, under Pontius Pilate, at the request of the Jewish leaders, it's a fact, there were eyewitnesses. And Peter himself was there, he saw Jesus on the cross and in, the, in chapter 3, he reflects on what he saw. And in chapter 3, verse 18, he says, Christ also suffered, like they were suffering, he said, Christ also suffered, but his suffering was different. He suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Jesus died to take away our sins, the righteous one for the unrighteous. And Peter saw it with his very own eyes. He saw it happen. But he also saw the resurrection, the resurrected Jesus. He saw Jesus risen from the grave. He ran into the tomb and saw it empty and saw the grave clothes. But it wasn't like Peter was the only one who saw it and we're just going off his word. Jesus appeared to, to stacks of people. Jesus appeared to Peter, He appeared to the women at the tomb, He appeared to the other apostles, later on He appeared to the Apostle Paul, He appeared to 500 people at once. This was a public resurrection. And those who didn't at first believe, because they're so bewildered, people don't come back from the dead and so they're looking at Him and they're thinking, is, is this true? The people who didn't believe, they believed it when they ate fish with Him and when He said, touch the holes in my hands and they felt that he, they, weren't, they weren't hypnotized, this wasn't a ghost, this was, they were seeing Jesus risen again. It's not just wishful thinking, God rose Him from the dead demonstrating that there is now life beyond death. God has done this in history which means that for all who come to Jesus, there is hope, the hope of everlasting life, of a world to come, in which the penalty for our sins, from turning away from God, is done away with, death done away with, because Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God everlastingly. 
there is now hope of a world to come where the presence of sin, sin itself and the power of sin and the consequences of sin are done away with because Jesus rose from the dead, defeating sin. Life imperishable is now an offer. Life that's not spoiling and fading and and get this, because this is a hope in what God will do for us and not just a hope that we might have to pull something off in life that'll be kind of nice for a little while, because this is a hope in what God will do for us, it's a hope that we can be sure of. As we said before, if our hopes for the future are in our ability to pull things off, man, we don't have much hope at all. We've got wishful thinking at best. But if your hope is in God and what He will do, now that's a secure hope. That's someone worth putting your hope in. And not only is God able to do it, not only does God have the power to do it, He's demonstrated it, He's demonstrated that He will do it. He's done it in the past, He'll do it in the future. Have you heard that saying, the best predictor for future success is past success? Or the best predictor of future performance is past performance? Scary thing to wrestle with in a job application. Um, If God has, in the past, raised Jesus from the dead and He tells you that He's going to do it for all of us who put our faith in Jesus in the future, we can be confident that He'll do it. We can be sure He will. And that's why that you can have hope no matter what. A particular hope, not just hope for anything that you might like, Um, not just anything that you might dream up in, in this world, not a hope just for the temporary things of this world, the thing that you can have, this the hope you can have no matter what, is far better than that. It's a hope which transcends all of our earthly hopes, which will, which who knows if they'll come to pass. It's the hope of the world to come, salvation, a world redeemed, sin chucked out, with Jesus Christ and all His people for all eternity. And so, if your hope is in Jesus and in the world to come, then no matter what, come what may in this life, you can have hope. You can live as a person with hope. Because if your hope is not in this world, but is in the world to come, and that hope is secure and has been demonstrated to be real and legit in the past, then we can be sure. And we can live a life of hope now. No matter how dark and difficult your life might become, you can have hope. The darkness is only temporary. You have eternal, imperishable life ahead of you. No matter how disappointed you might become in this life, that those things that you would like, they don't come to pass, no matter that, you can get through that. You'll be okay you'll have hope, hope for a future. No matter what things you might have to go without, say you really do want a life like this and with this kind of family and and this kind of spouse and this kind of work and if you've got to go without any of that, you'll be okay. Because what we lack in this world, we'll we'll have an abundance of in heaven. Eternity with the people of God, the family of God. Now, I'm not saying that won't be hard now. 
um, Peter's audience, verse 6, these were people who may have to suffer, have been suffering grief in all kinds of trials. Hard, yes, full of grief even, yes, but also full of hope because it's only temporary. It'll come to an end, heaven is coming. You know, some of you might lack hope because you've messed up your life already. You feel like you've, um, you've, you've stuffed up so severely. Um, how could anything good come into the future? Well, with Jesus, no matter how much you've stuffed up your life, no matter how guilty you are, no matter how much you've sinned, you can have hope. The, the big hope that you need, reconciliation with God, because Christ suffered for your sins, the righteous one for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. But you can have the hope of a future with forgiveness, with restoration, reconciliation, of life with sin removed. Some of you now might be tempted to give up on Jesus because you, you want this hope, but you find it very difficult to den- keep denying yourself and obey Him as Lord. But it's worth it. It's worth obeying Him as Lord. Persevere in faithfulness. Go without the sinful pleasures of the flesh. In heaven, your deepest desires will be fulfilled in the way that they ought to be. So go without now. Don't trade the fleeting pleasures of this world for the eternal pleasures at God's right hand. Go without as one with hope. In Jesus, you can live a life of hope no matter the diagnosis. As we've heard so, um, so powerfully testified to by Bodle. If you've got Christ and you know you're going to heaven, you yourself can face sickness and disease and even death because my hope is not for this world, my hope is for the world to come. It's secure, it's kept in heaven for me, it's been demonstrated to be true, I can trust God, I long for the world which will never perish. In Jesus, you can live a life of hope no matter the loss the loss of loved ones, which um, all of us will endure at some stage. There's another part of the Bible that says that Christians, when we lose loved ones, we don't grieve like the rest of the world grieves. It says this, it says, we do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. And so Bodil can say, Dad, I'll see you in heaven. The pain might be deep and real, but we grieve with the hope of reunion for all those who've died trusting Jesus. And so you can have hope no matter what. Now, isn't Christianity the best news you've ever heard? Only Christianity, only Jesus offers us such a hope. No other, no other worldview, no other spirituality, no other... Uh, No one else offers this kind of hope. No one else offers this glorious a hope with this solid a basis. Only with Christianity is there such a solid basis for our hope, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, an event in history. And so, where is your hope? Are you living with this hope or are you just living with wishful thinking? Have you set your hopes on things that will perish, the things of this world? 
don't sell yourself short. This offer is too good and, the li- and life now can be too terrible to live without this kind of hope. Now, how do you get it? Which means we've got 15 seconds left. How do you get it? Well, it was there in verse 5. Through faith, we are shielded by God's power until the coming of this salvation. Faith, putting your trust in Jesus as the Saviour who died in your place, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God and putting your faith in Jesus to be your Lord, the one who is, who is Lord over life and death, Lord over heaven and earth, who has lived in our place and now reigns over all things, he says, come unto me as Lord, follow me and I'll give you life eternal. And if you do come to him, then whilst ever you're looking to him, following him by faith, you can have hope no matter what. If you're still investigating these things, come along to the Life Series kicks off Tuesday night, just out here in the foyer. One of the weeks in life, we spend a whole night just thinking into the resurrection, why we can believe it, what's the evidence, what does the Bible say? This hope is too good to miss out on, come along. And for us here, with our hope in Jesus, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He's given us new birth into a living hope. So live in that hope. Let's pray. Our great God and Heavenly Father, we thank You for the living hope You have birthed us into by faith in Jesus. Thank You that through Him, through His death and resurrection, we now live not like the rest of the world, whose faith and hope is in this world which perishes, but that we have a hope for eternal life. Thank you, God, that this inheritance you've promised for us is kept in heaven for, for us, that you are shielding us by your power until that day, that Jesus will come back, that we will be reunited with our loved ones lost in Christ, that we will inherit a world made new, where sin will be removed completely where we will know reconciliation and joy and everlasting life. We praise You, God, and we ask that You would help us to now live our lives, all our days, in this hope. That You'd help us to be like the Christians Peter wrote to, that we'd bear up under suffering, that when we experience fiery ordeals and suffer grief in all kinds of trials, might we still be able to praise You, might we still have our eyes fixed on the world to come and not life here and now. And so might we live even suffering in hope and in joy. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we're going to listen to a song now, a song which um, sings from the experience of a Christian who's longing for heaven.